Aren't they wonderful? (laughs) We're just so fortunate to have such a vibrant community of children. And thank you so much for the ways that you allow them to explore their faith in the midst of our worship service as well. So today we are going to continue in our study of the scripture. Our time with our kids is the beginning of that. And we're going to continue with a reading of Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. So I encourage you to turn in your Bibles if you have those with you. If not, you can read along on the screen or you can close your eyes and you can listen as I read as well. Now, in this story, we encounter Jesus as he has just received some very troubling news. So hear now the word of God from Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place. The hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, plus women and children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. A couple of decades ago, I accepted a college internship at the newspaper in Huntsville, Alabama. So this is Huntsville. It's a beautiful city of about 200,000 people. It's about an hour's drive south of Nashville, a few hours west and a little bit north of Atlanta. And my role there at the newspaper was to edit the copy, the stories, and to write headlines for what was at that time one of the remaining final remaining afternoon newspapers in the country. So that meant that I had to show up at the news desk literally in the middle of the night to edit these stories and write the headlines so that people could read the news at their lunch tables. It was an interesting experience for me. It was one of those situations that required me to drive 900 miles east in my tiny, sometimes working car by myself and live in a studio apartment, barely making enough money, of course, to cover my expenses. Now, I am not complaining about that. This is kind of a rite of passage for someone in this age group. And I am really grateful for the experience because I learned so much about myself and about life. Some of those things 
I learned the hard way. One of those hard lessons took place in the parking lot outside of a grocery store one Friday night. I had the weekend off, so I was grateful for that. I had worked long hours at the newspaper, so I was tired. I wanted to eat and sleep, rest, maybe watch a little bit of television. Survivor was really big in those days, so I was hoping to to watch an episode or two in the coming days. And I was driving toward the end of the parking lot, headed back to my tiny little apartment when I noticed a man on the curb holding a sign that was much like this. Now, we've seen signs like this. We see them so often these days that we don't often even recognize what they say. And I don't remember what the sign said, but I do remember my reaction to this person who was standing in front of me holding it, and that was that I drove past him. And I turned away. I literally averted my eyes because I did not want to acknowledge what I was seeing. And to be quite honest, I wanted to preserve my level of comfort as well. Because I felt overwhelmed. Maybe I'm the only one who feels that way. But when I read the headlines these days, I don't want to read the rest of the stories. When I hear the sound bites on the news, I don't want to listen anymore. When I see the images scroll across the television or my computer or my phone, I don't want to watch because there's just too much going wrong in the world. There's too much violence, too much injustice, too much hunger, too much abuse and corruption, too much sickness, too much pain. There's too much suffering. It's just too much And it's not my fault, and I can't fix it, and I have my own family to worry about. Now, maybe I'm the only one who has these thoughts running through my head, but I feel overwhelmed by the state of the world, so much so that I just want to withdraw. And why not? Jesus did. That's what we find in this story that we read today. As I said, Jesus withdrew to a place of silence and solitude, a deserted place to be by himself. Now, he was not being antisocial. He had just received really troubling news. John the Baptist, his relative, who had paved the way for Jesus' own ministry with this talk of the kingdom of God and God's love for the people, John the Baptist had died. Jesus just got word of this. And, of course, John had not been ill He was killed. He was murdered. He was beheaded in a gross misuse of power by the reigning rulers of the day. And Jesus was grieving. And he wanted to do so without an audience. So he withdrew to pray and to reconnect with God. Well, it wasn't unusual for Jesus to withdraw from the crowds to pray and reconnect with God. Our biblical text tells us many stories along those lines. Jesus sought God in silence and in solitude after long stretches of preaching and teaching and healing. And in many cases, the people followed him anyway because they were suffering and they wanted relief. Well, we are human beings and we know what it means to suffer We know what it means to experience pain and distress and hardship and agony. This is not news. 
to us. And yet the news is full of stories of overwhelming suffering, so much to the point that we just want to tune them out. But we can't, at least not here at Morningstar, because paying attention to the needs of others is one of the three primary ways that we have dedicated ourselves to live and move and be in the world. We call this our vision, and it includes inspirational worship, radical inclusion, and the alleviation of suffering. We spent the last few weeks talking about this. We talked about worship as something that we do for God, praise that we offer God out of who God is and how God loves us. We talked about inclusion as welcoming people who are likely to be excluded because we understand that when it comes to God, we've all already been included in the first place. And today we turn to the alleviation of suffering. And this is, by the way, part of our vision that can really speak to people outside of the church because it gives the opportunity to point to the grace of God in their times of greatest need. And pointing to the grace of God is, after all, our mission. Pointing to the grace of God that we find in Jesus. And it's a big undertaking. It can be overwhelming if we overthink it. But often pointing to the grace of God is simple. As simple as a meager meal. In our story for today from the book of Matthew, all it took was five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Well, maybe it took a little bit more than that. So often we read this story, and the one that is very much like it, just one chapter over in the book of Matthew, and we focus on the work of the hands of Jesus, and that's definitely worth noting. The language is so beautiful. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. That's what we read in verse 19 of Matthew 14. And it sounds familiar, doesn't it? We'll read something very similar 12 chapters later in Matthew 26 when Jesus is at another table in an upper room celebrating the Passover meal with his friends. And he takes bread, and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it to his disciples, this time to give to the world. So it is important that we take note of the actions of Jesus in this passage. But lest we forget, who brought the food? Who had the willingness to share it? Who had the foresight to understand that there was more than enough to go around? It wasn't the people who were following Jesus closely. It wasn't the 12. It was a child. Now, you may notice that that detail wasn't in this version in Matthew, but it's included in the version in John. It was a child who brought the food. And we can assume that as the mother helped the child pack the lunch, it wasn't because they anticipated that they were going to feed thousands of people with it. They packed the lunch because they knew the child would be hungry. So it was the recognition of that basic human need, the fact that if the child was hungry, others would be hungry as well. That's where the connection was born. That's where the compassion Begin. Now, a common definition of compassion would tell us that to have compassion is to feel pity or concern for the suffering of others. 
But our biblical text tells us that compassion is more than that. And we see that here in this passage with Jesus. He had compassion for them, we are told in verse 14, as he had withdrawn in silence and in solitude to recharge. And he reemerges into the crowd and they press in upon him for healing. He has compassion for them and he cures their sick. Now, this kind of compassion is more than a feeling. This kind of compassion can be translated from the original language to mean a movement in the bowels. Now, I'm guessing you didn't plan to talk about that on Sunday morning in church, but here we are. We're talking about a gut-wrenching feeling, a visceral reaction, a physical response to the suffering of others that moves us to do something about that suffering. That's compassion as Jesus exhibited it. Compassion is to be moved by the suffering of others to do something to acknowledge and address their pain. So it's that acknowledge and address piece that makes living with this kind of compassion bearable, doable. So our vision in this community of faith includes a commitment to alleviating suffering. Not eradicating it, although we'd like to do that, but we're starting with alleviating suffering. So this is the lesson that Jesus teaches the disciples in this brilliant on-the-job training moment. The 12 come to him and say, this is a deserted place, and it's getting late. We need to send these people away so that they can find something to eat. They were understandably viewing this wilderness place as being void of nourishment, unable to sustain life. But Jesus pushes back. He's made a habit of being refreshed and restored in the deserted places. And he knows that his people, his ancestors, literally survived on bread from heaven in a wilderness place like this one long ago when they were delivered from slavery in Egypt. So he says the people don't need to leave. You can give them something to eat. So this is where the miracle happens. And it's not just in the multiplication of the food. It's in the expansion and the minds of the disciples to understand what really becomes possible with compassion. That's where the miracle really begins to take place, in the expansion of their minds. And so what I'm saying here is that the closest followers of Jesus knew that the people in the crowds were hungry because they themselves were hungry. They were only human, too. It had been a long day for them as well. And their first instinct was to preserve the food that they had been able to gather for the inner circle. And then just to tell everyone else that you're on your own to figure out where the next meal is coming from. Now, this is a reasonable conclusion to draw. If you look at the law of supply and demand, they were not being unreasonable here. They did not have enough on hand to feed that many people in the crowd. And yet Jesus is saying, you give them something to eat. How overwhelming that must have felt for the disciples as their own stomachs grumbled. And that was the point that Jesus was making. He was inviting his friends to acknowledge their own discomfort and to connect that with the discomfort of the people in the crowds, people just like them. 
It was a remarkable relational move because Jesus knew that the reason that we human beings become so overwhelmed with the suffering of others is because we are not exempt from it. No one is exempt from suffering. And we are reminded of that truth every time our own stomachs growl. So our our need, our need for food on a regular basis reminds us just how close we are to major suffering and distress, just like every other human being, every other living being. And it's in this truth that we discover our reason for being overwhelmed by the suffering of others can be transformed by the grace of God into a means to overcome it. In other words, in recognizing our own capacity to suffer, we can grow in our compassion and in our willingness to acknowledge and address the pain of others. We can grow in our compassion for others as we recognize our own capacity to suffer. That's what enables us to be moved to address the suffering that we see, to acknowledge it and to address it. And that's what it means to alleviate suffering, not eradicate it. Let's begin with alleviating it. As we see every person who suffers as a person, the same as you and me. And this acknowledgement often begins with a gut feeling That we often want to ignore, as I did 20 years ago in that grocery store parking lot. As I drove past this man, and I literally looked the other way, I heard a voice. Maybe it was my conscience, maybe it was God, saying, stop, turn around, go back. So I did that. But first of all, I went through a drive-thru and I purchased a meal for him and for myself to acknowledge that we were both hungry in that moment. And I drove back and I placed the meal in his hands and I made myself look in his eyes and what I saw there was a human being just like me. And I also recognized immediately why I had not want, wanted to see him. Why I hadn't wanted to see him in the first place. And that's because I didn't want to acknowledge my own vulnerability. There was not a great line between his suffering and mine. It was a pretty thin line, actually. And that's what I had not wanted to acknowledge. So my initial actions were not Christ-like. There's really not any other way to put that. And we see in story after story in our holy text that Jesus does not dismiss our human needs. In fact, he moves toward them. He moves toward suffering, often using what he has in community to share and address that suffering as he did in the story with the loaves and the fish. So Jesus lives and acts with compassion because this is the nature of God. We see this throughout our biblical text. We see it in the Psalms as God is described as being full of compassion and mercy, abounding in steadfast love. And then we discover that those are the words of God directly in Exodus, describing the Almighty again as full of compassion and mercy, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. From the mouth of God, 
And beloved, we were created in the image of this very God. This language describes not just who God is, not just who Jesus is, but who we have been created to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. People full of compassion. People willing to be moved by the suffering of others to the point that we will do something about it. This is God's nature, and it's our nature as well. Now, it's not easy because every time we face the suffering of others, we have to recognize our own suffering too. It's uncomfortable, and it's supposed to be. That's why we need to take time to process it. That's why the deserted places, the times of silence and solitude become as necessary for us to nourish our souls as the food is to nourish our bodies. So this is our invitation for this week, to cultivate time and space for silence and solitude. Now, I know many of you don't want me to say that. We don't like silence and solitude. We think we're too busy. We don't have time for it. But really, the problem is we don't want to face our inner realities. It's why we try to ignore suffering when we see it in the first place. We don't want to acknowledge what's going on within ourselves. That's why we want to tune everything out. But this kind of withdrawing into silence and solitude is not tuning out. It's tuning in to what is going on in the world and what is going on within us. It's tuning in. It's being in tune with God and the world around us. Because when we stop talking, when we stop listening to the chatter around us, when we give our brains a chance to rest, God's revelations rise to the surface. Our brains quite literally heal and grow in times of silence. Silence is food for the human brain. So this week, I invite us all to sit in silence and solitude and to imagine a cardboard sign like this one. This is your sign. Maybe actually get a piece of cardboard like this. If you don't have cardboard, we still have plenty of boxes in our garage. We're happy to share those with you. Take note. Take note as God reveals your own place of suffering, your own need that is going unmet right now. Take note of it. Write it down if that helps. Now, we don't have to share these revelations with each other. That's our luxury right now. This is for us so that we can connect and recharge so that the next time we feel compassion welling up inside us and we want to resist it, we will be well-nourished enough in our souls to act in the name of the one who suffered for us. For the seven and a half billion of us who live on this earth, those who lived before us, those who will live after us. When you look at this image, what do you see? What do you see? You see the light. You see these tiny little lights. When they are put together, they are visible from space. Friends, we are that light. We are morning star created to be the light of the world. And in the midst of great suffering within and around us, my prayer, just as it's printed on this card, my prayer is that we would slow down and shine brightly as we point others 
to Jesus and the grace that we find in Jesus, full of compassion. Amen? Amen.